I think it's going to be a special event today. I'm sure it's going to be a special event today. So today we're discussing issues of anti-Semitism in Africa. Unfortunately, Professor Femi or Olu Femi Vaughan from Stony Brook will not be able to be here. Unfortunately, he actually, it's sad for us, but it's good for him. He was just offered actually an endowed professorship at a famous uh, university in the Northeast. So he's going there today to sort of his business. They're actually hiring. He's going to be the professor of a new African studies department at Bowdoin College in Maine. So he's there for good reasons, but unfortunately he cannot be here. Um, but we have two very distinguished and prominent uh, professors and speakers with us today. Um, and it's really a great pleasure to be able to host them. And I think it's very important as well. Uh, I'll sort of put this in a very brief, concise context. Um, in the work that I do, at least, issues of anti-Semitism, contemporary anti-Semitism, I argue, although there's a debate to this, is changing as the world is changing. We're entering into, or we're entering into a processes connected to globalization, and processes of, of globalization are transforming society on all sorts of levels, at an economic level, at a political level, social levels, and cultural levels. And the role of trade, the role of government, of the state, are transforming, they're changing, and they're changing rapidly. And I think it's very important for us to understand that as the world is changing and processes of globalization are transforming societies and, and affecting our lives in the so-called first world and in the so-called third world, it's to me bizarre concepts that there's first worlds and third worlds and fourth worlds, it's one world, but in the, in the center and in the periphery things are changing and we can see in a sense, uh, an expansion of connections between and among peoples. 20 or 30 years ago, the amount of trade, the amount of migration, the amount of travel, the amount of telecommunications compared to where we are today are extremely different. So there's, through globalization, people and capital are moving at expanding rates. And then at the same time, people are becoming more and more marginalized and more and more segregated and are falling out of the formal economic and social and cultural and political systems. And as the world changes, I'm arguing anyways that anti-Semitism is also changing. And the place of the Jews and the place of the State of Israel is also entering into a different phase. And I think because of these changes it's very important to understand how the world is changing, and within that context, how issues of anti-Semitism is also changing. And these changes are not just taking place in England and France, and in Germany, and in the Middle East, and Iran, which we hear about and read about um, people who follow anti-Semitism are, are obviously for good reason concerned about, but the changes are also taking place in parts of the world that are often overlooked. And I think, unfortunately, I must say, I know you're supposed to be positive when you're uh, hosting symposiums and seminars, but I think that the turnout and the interest, unfortunately, in peripheral places to the center, like Africa, is often an overlooked place, but it's also an extraordinarily important and an extraordinarily rich place at all sorts of levels. And I think today we're, we're, we're lucky, and, and we have a special occasion, just to get a taste of what's going on in the African context vis-a-vis -vis issues, contemporary issues of anti-Semitism, 
in this new transforming globalized world. So the first speaker will be Hubert or Shannon? Hubert? Okay, so I'm going to introduce both speakers and also act as an informal discussant or a small group. What I would like to do is we'll have the two talks. When Hubert is finished, if anybody has any sort of what we used to call points of clarification, if there's something that's not clear in Hubert's paper, please feel free when he's finished speaking to ask him just to clarify something, but we won't get into a in-depth discussion with Hubert, and then Shalem will come and speak, and when they're both finished, we can have a discussion and a, a debate uh, as you wish. So I'm first very happy and honored to uh, introduce Shalem Kulbali. I met Shalem uh, in Israel, in Jerusalem, in the Shuk Machane Yehuda 15 years ago. He's originally from Cote d'Ivoire, from Abidjan, and after completing his traditional rites of passage or his initiation in, in Ivory Coast, he went on to do a first degree at Abidjan University in Cote d'Ivoire, in the center of Cote d'Ivoire, the capital. And then he went on to study philosophy in Europe, in, in France, with Emmanuel Levinas, who is one of the most renowned and I think important uh, thinkers and Talmudic com commentators and philosophers um, of the last century. He then, Shalem went on to study at the University of Poitiers, where he received a Master's of Philosophy. He then went to the Sorbonne in Paris for a doctorate degree in philosophy, and later did a management and business degree at the European Institute of Management and Finance in France. He was a professor of philosophy at Tel Aviv University and at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, and he also was a professor in the, in the Academy of Arts at Hebrew University, where he taught African philosophy and African art. He's now, he's returned to Africa, where he's at the uh, University in, in uh, Burkina Faso, the University of Ouagadougou, where he's teaching philosophy and management. Today, Shalem, who will speak second, is going to speak, the, the, the title of his talk is called Negation of Memory, Jewish and African Responses to the New Antisemitism and Racism. To his right, uh, and also an old friend and colleague, Hubert Nagacha uh, Nila, is a, originally from Cameroon in West Africa. Uh, he's a, he was here at Yale uh, for many years, and this is where we met originally. He holds a master's degree in economics and finance from the University of Pierre Mendes in France, in, sorry, in Grenoble. He has a master's degree in political sociology uh, from the University, from the Sorbonne University and a PhD in North American Studies and Political Science from École des Hautes Études et Sciences Sociales in Paris. From 1998 to 2004, he was a teaching assistant and a PhD candidate in a joint uh, French-Yale University uh, PhD program. So he was here at Yale University based in the Political Science Department. While he was at Yale, he also served as the executive director of the Center for Race and uh, for the study of race inequality and politics. He was the coordinator for the Sangha River program here at Yale and a postdoctoral fellow at the Gilman Lerman Center for the study of slavery, resistance, and abolition at Yale. Professor Nagacha studies North American North, studies North American institutions and political history and how racial identity influences public policy. Today, Hubert will take his expertise and look at how the 9-11 attack 
was uh, on the United States was perceived in Africa in terms of its relation to anti-Semitism. So it's really an honor and uh, I'm happy to introduce Hubert to you now. Thank you, Professor Moore. I'd like to thank you to invite me here back in town after four years. <laughs> I left 2004 and I'm happy to be here. When I came back, I was so excited because I spent six years in this town uh, that I studied. I studied New Haven politics, actually. So be back here is be back home. Thank you for being here, all of you. And I want you first to forgive my, uh, my accent and also my poor English. I lost my English, to be honest with you. Back to Paris, I had to, uh, to, go, to go back to my uh, French, my French uh, in the academic uh, perspective. That means uh, how we use French in the academic university. And then I forget all my English. And I would like you to be very, 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 uh, uh, not very, very uh, hard on me if I uh, do a mistake or my accent is not so very good. I want to ask you a question before I get started. How many here, how many here have read um, and heard about, have read, have read, and heard about anti-Semitism in Africa? How many of you? You heard about Okay, one, two, three. So in this room, just three people. It's very interesting. So we're going to move this discussion further. Um, I'm asking the question because in my research to find the sources to locate the information about anti-Semitism in Africa was very difficult. I mean by that anti-Semitism in the sub-Saharan Africa. Then you raise your, your fingers, but I don't know if you, you mean by that the sub-Saharan Africa. So I didn't find information and uh, I'd be happy to, to hear about that. What I heard about was information on the Islamist group perpetrating terrorism in African soil. Mainly in what I speak about, I mean by that, in the sub-Saharan Africa, such as Tanzania, Uganda, um, Kenya, uh, mainly. I don't want to, to mention the North African countries, North African countries such as Morocco, Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, they are different from Sub-Saharan Africa. This is, this uh, need a specific study if we, need, we want to discuss about the North African interrelationship between, uh, let's say, the community and the Jewish community. I would like to mention and to specify that the question here that is about is not about anti-Semitism only. It's when we speak about uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, we have to look at Judeophobia. We discussed that a lot with the Shalem and Professor Kulibali. What does that mean? Uh, Anti-Semitism is uh, a mean, it's a word that we can have, we can get the mean all over the world. We can move from Africa to Europe to North America and also to Asia and South America and see that and notice that there are forms of anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is not related to Judophobia that 
as we discuss again with other scholars, is, not, is what we can find in the sub-Saharan Africa. Gilphobia has to do with fear, fear of the other. Uh, who is the other? What is his culture? Uh, what is going to bring to my culture, to my community? What is going to change my community? This is the main important thing that we should look at when we think of sub-Saharan Africa and the Jewish community. Of course, there are other pistes, other uh, ways we can look at the uh, relationship between the Sub-Saharan Africa and the uh, Jewish community, as well as Israel. There are international relationships, but international relations are based on common interests. These are uh, the interests of you give and you receive. They are always the same, wherever the country you come from. It's the same when African countries have to vote for Islamic countries and the nation, or for Israel, or for France, or for America. So African countries in the sub-Saharan sometimes they have common interests when they come to have a relationship with Israel. My work today, mainly, is related to my background. Why? Because when I started to study American and North America, uh, scholars were surprised. And it's very important to notice that in Africa, you don't have scholars who are studying Jewish as a community or Jewish or Israel. They are exchanged between the states, but they are not specialists of Jewish studies in Africa. I was very, I was surprised to notice that the Professor Shalem spent 10 years, uh, 15 years in, the, in Israel, and also he was he used to study in the, at the yeshiva as well as the university. He used to use that yeshiva, and he speaks Hebrew very well. I was very, I was surprised. As uh, someone who left Paris, we were friends, and decided to study in the United States, in order to go back maybe in my late years to start to teach Africans about North America. Professor Shalem influenced me that because there is a need in Africa of African scholars or Jewish scholars who can teach or who can do research on the, between the two communities, the two, there's a two the, each community but also the relationship between the two. It's very important. How do we exchange our culture? How do Africans from sub-Saharan can learn about the Jewish community, and how also African can learn about Jewish uh, can learn about African uh, culture. That is very important. That's why I decided to study uh, North America. So, as my field of study is uh, the United States and Canada, I decided to to start with 9/11. Why? Has I noticed that the terrorist attack in the United States? was related to the Islamic hopes. One can understand that it was easy for me to question myself as a scholar. Why, what are the causes of this attack in the United States? How can one interpret the acts that uh, were perpetrated by uh, terrorists here in the United States? What were the impact of those attacks in the, United, in the United States as well as outside in Africa.
why why should we link the attack of the United States with the 9-11? And why are we mentioning anti-Semitism? Questions were very important in my, in my sense. I look at the Charles Moore's um, thought and also his citation that I read when I was here. Uh, he was at Southern Connecticut University when I came here, and uh, he turned his decision into me. He discussed about anti-Semitism in Canada, in Montreal. And as I was looking at, I was trying to understand the relationship between African Americans, Hispanics, minorities in the city of New Haven. I understood something, I understood something very important. When you look at other studies, such as anti-Semitism, anywhere in the world, that helps also to understand your own studies about all forms of prejudice. This is why I was very, 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 very uh, impressed by his work. So, the, other, the second regard I had with was inspired by Doc Way. Doc Way is my, was my advisor at the year, and William Falls. Doc Way wrote a book on city in New Haven, where he came up with why the city collapsed and how New Haven collapsed and brought all this form of prejudice that we see here in this country, in this city. That helped also to understand anti-Semitism. I connected that with Montreal and the studies of Charles Marx in Montreal. William Falls. William Falls also was my scholar. He was my uh, advisor here. He left, he's American. He left the United States and went to Africa in the 1960s. Why? He believed in that time that African countries, as they became free, can go on their own way. But he was disappointed back here. After decades, he told me that he was really disappointed. And he was disappointed that all, what, all of what was happening in Africa still happening here in the United States in the form of prejudice. So bringing this Charles Moore's Canada, Montreal, anti-Semitism, my study of New Heaven and prejudice in this city, a study of scholars that I have to interact with, to deal with, that influenced also my, uh, my, uh, my thoughts. That's why I found that uh, to talk about things in Africa was very important. And the first thing I was really, really, really disappointed was that I didn't find the uh, information on, on such uh, events. I want me to recall you the 9-11 attack again. Um, September 9, two, uh, 11, 2001, Twin Tower collapsed. Pentagon hit Here in the United States, we were so surprised. We were in shock. 
As an African, I was wondering what would happen in the world. I called Africa. I spoke to my uh, my brothers and sisters and family. People were surprised and they were shocked. Why? People thought that that would happen also in Africa. So it was true. It was true. We come back to that. That attack, as one can notice, was connected to anti-Semitism. I didn't think that when I saw all this record on TV, I was sleeping at that time. I, someone called me. I don't know if you called me or someone called me. I woke up and I, I saw I was as everybody. We saw the airplane hitting the, uh, the towers and all the buildings. And um, my um, my worries was. What will happen if they move up here in New Haven? What are we going to do? I didn't, I didn't link this terrorist attack with anti-Semitism at first sight. I did not. But later on, after I mean, I, in few hours, George Bush came. The president George Bush came, and. And he, he said, he declared that we have to fight against those attacks and the new acts of evil. He mentioned Ben Laden at that time, that day. A um, few minutes later, really it was 30 minutes or one hour later, Ayal Sharon came out also, CNN, we were watching CNN at that time, and we had uh, Sharon saying that there is also a new axe of evil, which is Yasser Arafat, the chief of terrorists. As a scholar, we did not think why we had an Indian attack and what was the link between this attack in the United States and anti-Semitism. I started to, to ask to myself, what should we understand from these two speeches? I didn't have to wait too long. Since African presidents, they came out with a speech. My president, my president of my native country, Cameroon, mentioned that the attack of terrorist group in Africa is related to also to 9-11. We had one missile that uh, blow one airplane. I don't know if you remember that uh, story in Kenya. That airplane was filled by Jewish people mainly. But I think it was 81 or 85 percent of the Jewish people. That attack took place in African soil. This is how I came to ask myself as a scholar. We have to, to see how we can understand what's happening in the United States and what's happening in Africa, what's happening to Jewish community, to Jewish people. This question or this uh, 
from the vision push me to look at if you have any form of anti-Semitism that comes from Africans, I mean African from Sub-Saharan. It's important for me to mention that. Because as you know, Libya and Muhammad Gaddafi has a very strong power on African Sub-Saharan countries uh, strategy. He's influencing Niger, Burkina Faso, Ivory Coast, it's everywhere in Africa. He gives weapons to rebels sometimes to fight, whatever. So, Libya and North African countries, they have a specific interest that are related to the fight between Islamists and, let's say, Jewish. This is a religious also fight. Africans themselves, they're not, part, they're not part of the fight. I didn't find, I didn't find any, I didn't find any African groups or African individuals who perpetrated an act of hatred to Jewish people. Maybe there may be. We discussed about that. We have to, as I said in my research, my in my conclusion. We need scholars to study that. This will take years. As an African, I would like to to finish my uh, my presentation at, by discussing what I uh, I think about anti-Semitism and racism. Racism in the sense of hate of someone because he belongs to one community or one race or color or whatever. In my sense, anti-Semitism is exercised in the context of a strong stigmatization and ostracism. That is part of the identification, of social identification of a Jewish. It's a phenomena that we have to look at the individual dimension as well as the collective dimension. When we speak about anti-Semitism, we think at illegal exchange that characterize the way visible or non-visible people in relationship have to exchange. I perceive some obligation that implies the reject of the other. In French, we say negation, the negation ou du moins l'indifférence, I think you will come with negation mainly. L'indifférence, c'est une French indifférence au consentement. That means the reject and at least indifference of consensus. Consentement, we will come with consensus. And for me, we cannot speak about anti-Semitism without mentioning 
marginalization. Anti-Semitism and racism, they are linked. Racism about Africans, racism about Hispanics, Asians, racism about people from different colors. I, um, I, uh, I think we can separate forms of racism. Anti-Semitism is a form of racism, in my sense. That should not be accepted in this world. A group is marginalized since he is stigmatized for his identity, isolated, and generally excluded from the distribution of resources. I think the tools employed by the dominance are principally ideology that drive to consider others, some people as others. Marginalization is exercised mainly when certain characteristics of behaviors, of observable behaviors, are utilized by a small minority of people. That minority in sense of minority as color, minority of people, small group. And when this small group drive the behavior to the rest of the society, if they influence the rest of society, then we can come up with speaking about marginalization. In my sense, American Indians, Native Americans, and these rebels from in India, Jewish out of Israel is very important. Jewish out of Israel they cannot access resources that belongs to the institutions in the richest country, the western part of the world. Western countries block the access of resources of those groups. Although some people may come up with the fact that some Jewish have access to resources or institutional resources in the dominant countries, we have to denounce the reality. The reality is that even when they, are, they have access, they are still stigmatized as others. In my, in my study, I don't, we can discuss, I can come with that uh, in our, with hours and hours. Um, the, in my study of New Haven, community policing, the, the implementation of community policing in this city, I find very interesting, I want to say topic, <coughs> to study in the future. I noticed 
that uh, Jewish were also hatred. Not only in New Haven, in New, in New York. I came up with uh, the fact that we have to study. This is a little program that we have to focus on. And some people are not aware of that. So, I don't to go. The, the, by definition of uh, racism and anti-Semitism, it can take too long to discuss about. I think my paper posted, and I hope Charles Professor Small will, uh, uh, will let you get access to that paper. Uh, I would like to conclude. And I cannot speak about uh, my definition of anti-Semitism and uh, racism. Conclusion and my suggestion. Allow me to please to formulate or to come up with a new research to be conducted as regards with this topic. I believe that there is no program, no department of African and Jewish culture in African universities. Very important. As a scholar, I think we should think of it. I also believe that, as the rabbi said, for instance, as the rabbi said to Sharon uh, yesterday, I think you, you should, uh, or you may teach uh, the seven law of Noah in African universities. I think that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. It's very important. And uh, why I left France in Paris, decided to study North American study, North America, and why another African could not study the Jewish culture and African culture and teach or and the other events. That are the new, new, new pace, new, new way we have to, new road we have to open. I want to warn you, this will take a lot of time. Research in that sense may take one generation. As a scholar, I took 10 years to do my book on New Haven politics. And we know that. If we want to speak about the Jewish and African culture, we need at least one generation to train in Africa, in Israel, in Yale, America, wherever, and then we can come up with new things, new, new research scholars or academics who can help us further those thinkings. The researchers or students will focus at looking at the manifestation of anti-Semitism in Africa, here in the US, by Africans maybe, and the reverse also we take a read-on. They have to look at the behaviors, they may conduct monography of people, of groups, of community, and thus various Methods of study could be used in that sense. 
a scholar who wish to do that. I want to warn me about certain things, of course. They will have to now the space of study. They have to define population because when you study Tanzania and Kenya, it's not the same when you study Cameroon. Tanzania and Kenya is on the east part of Africa, they are close to Middle East. Cameroon is in West Africa, it's not the same. But we have Muslims acting in north of Nigeria. Luckily, not in North Cameroon, not yet. They may also have to go on the, on the field to conduct interviews. We have to build how to find sources, documents. We have to look at how they will be able to analyze books in that sense. There are problems, I want to warn you about the, the limits and the difficulty of conducting this. We have to look at the, the time you have to spend on that. The budget. It's very difficult now to conduct this without having enough uh, main, enough resources. So I will finish here by thank, thanking uh, Professor Small for inviting me here to speak about this uh, very, very, very important uh, subject. And I hope we can further the discussion on my definition of anti-sentiment racism that may take hours. I'm sorry, here yeah, it wasn't, uh, I wrote uh, 17 pages, but uh, it wasn't enough to come up with. So thank you very much. Uh, before you go, sit down, not to ask questions on the content of what he said. Is there any points of information that you need to clarify? No? Okay, so we'll continue the discussion after Shalem gives his paper. Shalom. Shalom. Okay, the language is very important. And uh, Albert Camus was saying that the, my language, the language I speak is my native language. So it's why I start by with Hebrew. I won't be, my English, I'm sorry, this is uh, Israeli, French, Africa, then Zulu. <laughs> so excuse me if I behave like a professor in a uh, in school to give you the right point I want to give. I have like uh, 15 pages, but I make this one. I summarize them. First of all, we'll start by, by imagining by the imagination of one situation. Imagine one moment, two persons. One year, two years, living together. Two neighbors living in the same city. The two persons witnessed the murder, the massacre of their parents by the same group of croc, by the same group, group of criminal. Imagine again that the criminal are being identified and they are known by everyone. Let us go in with our imaginations. Imagine that before this criminal 
stand trial for the crimes. Imagine that our two neighbors, two victims, two poor victims of the same criminal logic. Imagine that two persons, two neighbors, two friends start fighting each another. Start fighting to know. First of all, the one who has suffered more. Secondly, the one who suffer more now. Thirdly, the one who, who is more the one who's more victims. Imagine this situation. Then ask you question. Now the last imagination. Imagine that our two neighbors who are friends went from this victim race, from this verbal fight to a hatred phobia, even to a physical violence. Four questions I ask you to ask to themselves. What can one think about this two neighbor? How can one how one can qualify the behavior? Third, is the same the situation surrealistic, unbelievable, or incredible? In philosophical world, every word has a signification, and my pronunciation don't give me, so I can write the word if you want. So, we yeah. are. If the situation is situation can be filled if we say two levels we can say is a Jew and an Indian we can say is a Jew and African we can say is an African and a Jew it's an African and Indian and so on but I won't take uh, I won't take all this Situation, the possible, uh, the possible situation. I just want to focus on Jewish and African. Why? It's me. They call me Shalem. So I cannot fight for everyone, but I can fight for those who are close to me, in order to help those who are not close to me. That's why I chose this subject: the response of Jewish facing antisemitism racism, and especially the, the negation of the memory. Before going inside of my subject, I would like
to give a kind of definition of memory, which is very important to follow what and um, how I want to make these Jewish and Africans uh, come together and fight anti-Semitism. First of all, in philosophical way, people think that memory is only psychological things. But the definition I give is very close to Bergson, who was a philosopher. Memory is organic. Memory is linked to body. My definition is not that I am becoming a, um, a biologist. I'm not becoming a racist, saying that my memory, my, the memory is the body, is the blood of someone. No. Just I want to, to give another definition to understand the situation of the son and the grandson of the survivor, of those who went through Shoah, or has known such or different kind of traumatic events. First of all, in my definition, we have memory like individual and collective Secondly, memory like psychological element. Excuse me for abbreviation. Psychology. And thirdly, memory can be defined like organic and belong to man cortex. So it means that it's inside of man. By taking this definition of body, uh, memory as uh, a part of the body, memory as organic and belonging to the main cortex, memory is, trans is transmitted by body to body. Okay? I am the son of a survivor. And Israel people are studying the consequences of Shoah on the son and the grandson. So if I'm a son and grandson of survivor, how can I have the trauma of my grandfather? So it means that the definition of memory as organic, as, as well as individual and collective, is very important to understand what I want to say. Secondly, memory, even I, I, I adopt the definition of memory as body, but memory is transmitted by culture. We shall learn how to transmit memory, how to defend memory, how to teach to remember things. Memory as organic element is the link between ascendant to descendant. And the descendant represents or embodies the, the past and the future as well as his own future but the future of his grandfather. Because I'm Shalem, tomorrow my, my son Tamar will have another son and will take the name of a, a grandmother, uh, Yael or someone else, and will continue the transmission of memory. But saying 
after this definition, one should return facing anti-Semitism, facing the negation of memory, one should return the last definition, memory is the man himself. I am my memory, and my, I am the memory of my parents, and I am the son of my parents. After this definition, let us ask, ask some questions. What is negationism? Negationism is a... In English, they say denier of memory. But technical word using by uh, European intellectuals is negationism. Okay? What is the second part of my uh, speech? What is negationism? That is the first question. And what is the practice? negationism. Here I will give different elements. Here I will give a general definition. A general, the first definition. Negationism consists in denying the will of the Third Reich to destroy the Jewish people of Europe. Negationism consists of denying the existence and the use of gas chamber to do so. It means to destroy Jews of Europe. Negationism consists of denying the will of German, especially of Nazis, to destroy systematically, systematically, Jewish people everywhere they are. That is, that's definitions as a kind of practice. After focusing their will on Jewish people, the new anti-Semites anti and racists as a kind of practice. Before I give the four different practices I think very important to know concerning the negation of memory. I would like to give two elements who belong to philosophical area. First of all, every kind of negationism has a kind of metaphysics. Every kind Negationism as a world view. See? A, an antisemite, a racist, a man who denied the Shoah, is a man who behaves according his own. Worldview and a kind according a kind of metaphysics. Metaphysics that means a kind uh, the definition of being. War is who is the order. Now let us give four or five practice of negationism. First of all, nowadays. 
my English is not good, so let me write so you understand what I want to say. If Jewish and African want to understand what they are going to, f to face in the next century, in this new century, they have to know the practice of those who are against their memory. First of all, in practice, a negationist denies systematically, affirms the non existence of Shoah. Of slave trade, uh, uh, slave trade. The negationists will say, for example, the Shoah never exists. The Shoah is the is is a narrative of Zionist or Jewish. That is the first act of negation. Mm -hmm. Then they deny the existence of Sham Gas chamber. Secondly, they say excess of memory. We are living in a globalization area. If I want pizza, just one call and I can have. Uh -huh. One billion or two billion of pizza in my world if I have money to pay. <laughs> and people like to buy things to, today and tomorrow they throw it. Mm -hmm. We are rich, we can buy this car tomorrow, two years after we. And facing the memory, some people in Europe say that we. Uh, Shoah, the memory of Shoah, the memory of slavery, the memory of uh, colonization, too much. You speak too much about it. We fed up with your Shoah. We fed up with your slave trade, slave trade. We fed up with your colonization. We fed up with you. Don't forget, memory is the man himself. So when they say we fed up with the memory, they say we fed up with you. Thirdly, they say it does no does no um, does no any more sense. Make sense. Does no <coughs> it does no any more make sense. Here it's the practice of minimalization of the memory. Is the banalization to take a word of anarchy? Is the banalization of the memory? Here, what is, and what consists the, the practice? The practice consists by making comparison between memories. They will go to take the case of Rwanda to say that is a tragic event like a Shoah. But no, Rwanda is something that belongs to Africa themselves. But in the case of Shoah is facing two nations, two different people, and the will of someone to destroy the another one. 
in the case of Rwanda, like in the case of uh, in Western Europe, between the Balkans, it's a problem, internal problem. But in the practice of uh, negationists, they will say, they will make a kind of banalization and say, sure, it doesn't make sense. We have Rwanda, we have uh, Sudan, we have this. Also, oh, sorry, I want to see a movie. That is the practice and that is the attitude. Finally, the negationist lead this kind of discourse lead to the refusal of political responsibility, social solidarity with those who incarnate and embody the memory of those who have been killed by Nazi. The last and the last element is axiology, the practice of axiology. It means evaluation of, of the memory. In archaeology practice, we can underline two elements. First of all, is the transvaluation of memory. Secondly, is the inversion of identity. These are practiced. I will explain in what consists the transpolation of memory. In philosophy, we have one last great philosopher of 19th century, a German one who is a good poet, Nietzsche, but he also uh, a dangerous guy. <laughs> but the word transvaluation is a good word. And those who deny the memory, those who work for the negation of memory, want a kind of transvaluation of the memory. In what consists transvaluation of memory? Transvaluation of memory consists of putting a positive sign on the cream against humanity by arguing that Shoah is a positive fact. Because after the Shoah, you Jewish, you have a state. So we don't speak anymore about six million who has been killed. No, we have to speak about the state that come after six million. That is the denying of the memory. I don't tell that they're still trying to, to fight and destroy this, this new state. But they say, you are a state. You are not anymore traveling with your language from state, place to place. No, you are a state. So say that show is body positive. Oh, they will say, and that is a quotation for a new research that has been done by Vivorka. Uh, He's especially, I think that you will invite him. He's a great man, a man who makes a serious work about the new antisemites in France, a good book, the result of many research. He 
quote, the quotation, some quotation of, of, of people living in Alsace. They say, Hitler is not so bad. He didn't do, he didn't do so bad, saying that, no, not a state. That's his quotation. That's people today are speaking like this in Europe about Jewish. So, don't say that the show has been a bad thing. But what about the parents of my family living us? What about our six millions? One could have one children. And the children could have after six, 60 years. Okay? And we don't speak about this. No, no, no. No, it's Take your state. Concerning African, they will say, qualification is a positive thing. We build school, we build hospital for you, we, okay? That is the same, putting a science plus. At the end, in the transvaluation of memory, bad and good are the same things. There is no more value. We are over, beyond the good and the bad. That is niche with. Concerned uh, trade trade, they will say, no, we give you the means to save your soul. Now you can go to paradise. You don't know first the way to go to paradise. With slave trade, we save your, your soul. So now you can go to the paradise. Even you can speak French. <laughs> so I speak French. So that is practice. And the last practice element, the inversion of identity. In what consists the inversion of identity? The inversion of identity is the extreme way to deny and to destroy the memory and the memory of those who died and the memory and the life of those who embodies, embody this memory. It means the son of the survivor. Okay? In practice, the inversion consists of inverting the culpability and the responsibility of the criminal on the victims and their descendants. How, how they proceed? Look at, I'm going to the street. Perhaps I look at the girl and smile to her. And he want to make me something bad. You have to justify yourself as the descendant of a survivor that you are not guilty that the criminal, the son of the criminal has inherited the, the criminality of the fa his father. So as a, a survivor or as the son of a survivor, you have to justify your life. Don't forget, memory is the man himself. Memory is individual and collective. In the inversion of identity, they accuse Jewish people to be responsible of the Shoah. They will say they were capo in the concentration camp. That is the case. You find many. If they were capo, so what? In the case of Africans, they will say, you know, the conquest of Africa has been done perhaps by hundreds 
uh, white soldiers, but they were they have an army, and the majority of the army were black. So who made the conquest? We are talking more about world colonization. That is discourse that come by those who don't who don't refuse and want to turn the responsibility and the culpability. The, one of the last elements that is adding here in the inversion of memory is that to speak about the context. They will say we are now in a globalization period. We are living in Judeo-Christian civilization. If it's Judeo-Christian civilization, it's your civilization. You belong to this identity. Your identity belongs to Judeo-Christian identity. Or your identity is francophone. Even I speak French, you know that I'm English, you know that I'm English. I'm a French guy. So they can argue with civilization, political space, and say that, okay, is was my father who killed your grand he was my grandfather who killed your grandfather? But don't forget that we belong to the same civilization. So the Shoah is has been done by our civilization. So the hour is here to break, to deny, and to make confusion between victims and a criminal. In this case, the last case, in the invasion of identity, you are the victim and their descendants are caught in a social and cultural habitus. Habitus is a social uh, framework to show that there is many elements that people are living inside and are also producing the same element. So we are, we are living in the same culture, in the same uh, political sphere, so we are responsible for everything was, which has been done in this, this civilization. So what are, why are you trying to defend or to speak every time about your memory? But saying all these things, there is something who can be head to the practice of anti uh, of negationism is now something that we think that it was over, but it's coming again with a new forms. My speech is belong in three elements. Negation of memory, anti-Semitism, and racism. Okay? This we already I will finish in 10 minutes. We already speak about this. Now, in this global area, in this, in this globalization, there is a, a kind of bizarre things that is coming. That is the rebirth of all diamond and myths. That means that we think that anti-Semitism is a new thing. 
What to add to this practice of uh, negation of, of memory, we have to know that Europe's, Europe, Europe's old anti-Semitism and racism fashion is coming, but it's coming with new cloth and new discipline. Once it was the elite, European elite, the, that include priest, uh, intellectual, like uh, Drummond, like Moras, were building the society and for in order to exclude Jews. But this old anti-Semitism is coming. But it's coming and it has been married by new persons, including Africans, including, including Indians, who, were, who really don't, have never seen Jews, but in, in Africa, not uh, sub-Saharan Africa, but in some part of Africa, let's say the north, the south, and the eastern, the, the old anti-Semites and the new anti-Semites has, has its own discipline. And this anti-Semite which is coming, give itself the face of progressist on the name of human rights, on the name of equality, on the name of global area, the man, everyone has the right to be anti-Semite. Frankly, anti-Semite, to say what he want to say. If I want to deny Jewish memory, I have the right of freedom and speech to say what I have to. That is the new form of anti-Semitism, which is also approved by Africans and by those other persons. Concerning Africans, the old, the old fashion of racism, uh, like uh, uh, the racism of Jules Ferry, Gambetta, are coming again. This kind of colonizer becomes another day arrogant, as the new antisemites are arrogant. In Paris, we all know, there is a, a new group of black people called themselves the Tribu of K. At the television, I was in Africa teaching and I went, I never have television. So I was uh, to, uh, I still have uh, I was at uh, the place of a friend to, to see a football match, but before the, the, the soccer, we see French uh, news, and at the television, uh, there is a black who stand and say that, okay, uh, at the Rue de Rosier, where there is many Jewish shops, okay, I'm anti-Semite and I support it and I defend it. If to, to fight the Jewish, is to be uh, the Jews who attack the black. If to do, to fight them, it's uh, to be anti-Semite. So I'm anti-Semite. But this kind of arrogant anti-Semite is coming with also the new Jews who uh, on colonization, which is also arrogant. So seeing uh, seeing this, seeing that anti-Semitism became a fashion. A fashion in the sense of modernity, modo. Modo is fashion and also a problem of taste. If you consider the new anti-Semitism like a modo, a fashion, you have to think about an element, a person in the Bible, Nimrod. 
you know, all know the construction of Babylon, the tower, the tower of Babylon. It was a problem of fashion, the cloth. Kind of cloth, numeral, were wore and trying on the name of gathering humanity, he was trying to kill God himself. And this, the new antisemitism, with its new uh, discipline, the new racists are also wearing the same, the same cloth as Nimrod. On the name of human rights, on the name of all, all is a law, we can do what we want, we can do what we think as free person, as free individual, our new nation, our new state, a law, the racism, the exclusion, and also the will to, to kill. I have just two elements to finish, but five minutes, okay? The last two element is what could be the answer of Jewish and African? On what basis? On what basis African and Jew can be uh, together and to find solution together? First of all, before giving my solution or my perspective, my view, I want just to come on the subject of anti-Semitism and Africa. Okay, just like a parenthesis. We are in globalization period. The form of anti-Semitism and racism are changing. The way of communicating between people and nations are changing. So we have to be careful. We, have, we don't have to remain in the former reflex or way of fighting those who want to destroy us. We have to be young in our way of thinking. Africa is the last, last developed country last continent, but with the new media, it's not the last to be informed. I stay in Ouagadougou, the capital of Burkina Faso, that perhaps one million inhabitants. By internet, I go everywhere. I have information at the same moment. One event happened in New York, I can read it, I can follow everything. People are fighting. Jewish and African are fighting in Paris. I have it at my home at the same time like a French pig guy. I have the French TV, I have everything. So we have to think and to change our way of seeing. So is there is anti-Semitism in Africa? Let us build like Africa. The Africa I'm concerned with doesn't involve the Maghreb, which belong to Arab countries who are fighting against Israel, 
and have uh, part of my brain delivered, so I cannot. <laughs> so I'm here to obvious that there is anti-Semitism here, and there is anti-Zionism here, and if there is a possibility tomorrow to destroy Israel, they will do it. And there are black who are living here, and they suffer also about racism in Arab countries. I've never seen a black minister or director of a minister in an Arab country. Okay? I've never seen a Jewish who is a prime minister in an Arab country or deputy. But in Israel, there are Arabs, Palestinians, who are deputy and the right to vote and to the right to say everything. So, I want to speak about this part of Africa, South Africa. I don't speak about Kenya. I'm speaking about West Africa and Central Africa. Here is the park park and people are more and very organized. They are going to have uh, Union Africa. But West Africa is leading. West Africa is leading. So when I'm speaking about uh, anti-Semitism in Africa, in South Africa it exists. Remember Darwin 1 and we are going to have Darwin 2. So here we have the way, the key we can fight or defend uh, Africans to become anti-Semite or our brother to become racist, we have to do it. We have to use all the means. But in this part, do we have the anti-Semitism? I say no, not yet. But we have all forms of anti-Judaism, which come from monotheism, Islam, and Christianity. Okay? So, anti-Semitism cannot be, we cannot make separation between anti-Judaism and anti-Semitism. We cannot make difference between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. But if we want to make the intellectual more or less action, you can see in sub-Saharan Africa, the anti-Semitism is coming. And what could be its face? Its face will be according to according what, the, what we have in France, what we have in England, what we have in America. So the coming anti-Semitism in this area will belong to the, to the following element. First of all, media in English and French media. They have media, they are radio, they are television. So people catch this television and they, they have the news. So if tomorrow there is anti-Semitism, if you want to know the forms, you have to follow this media. Secondly, thanks to globalization, we'll have also anti-Semitism. Perhaps the first time, they won't see the Jews, because if they see a Jewish in the street, they never say this is a Jew, so they don't know. But it's coming. The media of information and disinformation of former colonizers will help the coming of anti-Semitism in, in, in this part of Africa. The monotheism 
Christian monotheism and Muslim monotheism with their anti-Judaism will break by theology and political theology of Islam, they will break this kind of anti-Semitism. And let me say that right now in Benin, that is uh, one of my friends with whom we created the first association between Jewish and, Afri uh, and African in Paris in 1998, told me that the Iranian, Iran people, Muslim, are now they have mosques in Benin. And they, have, they are in Burkina Faso, Ouagadougou. They just now start helping people. Okay? They help. It's to help. And secondly, how the anti-Semitic will come in, in Africa, it will, become, it will come from the influence of uh, black or Afro, uh, uh, Afro diaspora, open Africans. And the last, which is not very interesting and to hurt, is also there is many Africans who, who are living in Israel, they are illegal people, they don't have the right to stay there, and sometimes there are problems with police. And those when they return, they can have a kind of uh, uh, resentment. Like in West Africa, uh, many people now don't like French people. You is when uh, in Africa the war star, they, they arrest two Israeli people. When they say we come from Israel, okay, let's go. But with French people, the game is another game. So that was the parenthesis. The last things. Well, what are the solutions I'm going to give? There is solution. We have many solutions. First of all, I see two, uh, three kind of solutions. Strong personalities. Two cultural for political and economy. For the first thing, first element, we have as Jews and Africans to work with strong personalities. People well known in both nations communities who can who as writer as thinker can make bridge between the two communities strong person who who can support discuss and speak to another and to fight inside of themselves any kind of anti-semitism the third the seven elements Cultural. We all know that every time when Jewish and Africans start to work together, the face of the world changes. Remember in the 1670, when Jewish and African, the Rabbi Eshel, people are known new journalists in France, Daniel Morgan, they left France here with the Rabbi. They were together with many, uh, many people, Jewish associations, organizations. When they start working together, they can change the face of the world. That is 
reality. So for in the cultural part, we should remember people, remember the actions, the behavior of the past, great past person. Okay? And the third element, uh, the third one, excuse me, that one. The political element is what? To accept that, you know, it's very hard to work between Jewish and Africans. There is suspicion. Those who in Paris, they say, oh, you have been, you have been sell to Jews, that's what they say. And Jews say, can I trust him? So there is suspicion. But we have those who believe that the relation between African and Jew can change, those who believe and those who want it, don't have to take into account suspicion. They have to work together. But the last element, it means that they have to, intellectuals, uh, businessmen, have to, uh, to create associations in order to meet and to work together. And I'm sure if there is, if there is tomorrow anti-Semites, African anti-Semites, there will be the few. Even there will be fight by African military. If there is an Jew which, who wants to play with the, the game of racism, will fight him, will help him to come back on the, in, in the Judaism way of seeing human beings. Thank you very much, both Shalem and Hubert. Um, any questions?